decisions. Decisions that require real, honest assessment of our roster. We talk about the goal being to win the Super Bowl. And we certainly thought that was the case in 2019. We're going to do everything we can to improve uh, our situation in 2020. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Everything's on the table to evaluate throughout our offense. Intercepted right off the bat by Ogletree. Touchdown. Our defense. Holmes is going to go the other way. He's going to take it to the end zone. Touchdown, Chiefs. And our special teams. Snap, hold, kick is wide left. Eight and eight, no one's happy. The word that comes to my mind this season is regression. And why did we regress? From WGN Radio, it's Adam Ho. There's a fine line between winning and losing in the NFL. Points are points, and if they're giving them to you, you take them. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. 8-8 eight eight just seems perfect for what they are this year. The offense taking the steps back. Your quarterback taking the steps back. Significant. Here they are, the Adams. It's not all just one person's fault. There's a number of factors in play here we got to sort through. Hogan Johns. Let's begin now. What's up? Welcome in. Hogan Johns here. Mid-January. Snow on the ground, finally. It's melting already. And it's cold. It's going to be cold. I can't shake this head cold because of the crazy weather. This winter, it's going to be like 40 degrees later this week. It was just... And then back down to the teens next week. Yeah, yeah. I can't get healthy. Come on, Mother Nature. Well, that's winter. Help me out here. It's your first winter here? (laughs) No, but <laughs> these ups and downs are killing me. Uh, well, there's uh, ups and downs for us to talk about over the last uh, few days with the Chicago Bears. They have an offensive coordinator. Also spent Sunday watching the Packers win a playoff game and Patrick Mahomes battle Deshaun Watson in yes, the playoffs. Yes. I, I feel like, I, I know we're going to get to Bill Lazor here in a second, but we need like a... A soundbite, a clip of something with like laser shooting. Oh, laser! Well, that you, you see, you know, you know what that's called, John's. That is called podcast prep, <laughs> and would have been great—a great thought about twenty-four hours ago. I'll text. You I don't have sound. a laser sound. Get like the, we'll get one the Star Wars sounds. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get a laser. <laughs> we'll, we'll find one. Uh, how about Joe Burrow? He's pretty good. Man, how lucky are the Bengals? <laughs> how lucky are they? <laughs> Have you seen some of the social media this morning? Like Joe Burrow smoking a cigar. Yeah. And then like, but the LSU video team turning into like this badass video. Like totally First of all, like, the, the, like their pump up videos, the, the Joe Burrow entrance to the, like his last home game, like the stuff they've put together. They have a great video. It's exceptional. Team. They obviously yes. do. Yes. So, yes. So they're in the pros. It's a college team, but they're in the pro. Yes. Uh, it, you know, the that's a thing. The college video teams out there. Yeah. They do some... Northwestern does an incredible job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, with, they do. With the yeah. stuff they do. I mean, there's so many talented people. Um, and uh, so, that, you know, but LSU taking advantage of the win last night. Uh, Joe Burrow. I, You know what? Even though Trevor Lawrence didn't play well, I still love Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think he is going to be an unbelievable NFL quarterback. Well, I think this LSU team was just... It might be one of the best college teams ever. It really, they really. It might, might be. Did you see the like, season Joe Burrow had sixty something touchdowns? It's unheard of. Yeah, I mean, he, well, he just had the best quarterback season we've ever, ever seen yes. in college football, which is amazing. It was a hundred fiftieth year of college football this year, and Joe Burrow had the best season you've ever seen. LSU, though, I think you have a valid valid point. If you look at, there was a tweet going on this morning. The first of all, I think seven seven other wins 
came against top 10 teams, which is crazy. Yeah. And then it was like, here's a list of things that their opponents won. And it was like three different conferences and then five different good bowl games. Yeah. So yeah. like, not only did they just have this impressive 15-0 season and punk Clemson in the national championship game, but they played tough opponents yeah, the entire yeah, time. Yeah. And, and like you said, pumped Clemson. Like <laughs> th- these aren't like Oklahoma. These aren't your mid-major wannabes. These are legit programs that they pummeled. Absolutely pummeled. I'm trying to think of like you get the Miami teams of Ken Dorsey, the Matt Liner years of USC. Like those were exceptional yeah, football teams. Liner and Reggie Bush on the same team. Yeah, and you could go back to the Ed Reed days, the Ray Lewis days down there. Like what Vince Young did at Texas. Yeah, was incredible. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just talking about loaded teams. Yeah, like on both sides of the ball. This LSU team, starting with the quarterback, unbelievable. Absolutely. Um, so that was fun to watch last night. Um, and just wow, the Bengals. Yes, getting Joe Burrow. I, do you? I don't think he's going to do it because he's from that state of, of Ohio. Like a John Elway, Eli Manning-like thing where the quarterback is just so good and knows he's going to be number one and picks his place. Can you see it happening? Wait, wait, say that again? The John, Like what John Elway did. Oh. Like what Eli Manning did. Oh, where they... Where, where, they, where, where they, he kind of holds Where they strong-arm their way into the NFL and they pick the place where they want where to go. Where if he doesn't want to go to Cincinnati? Yes. Well, he is from Ohio. I know. That's what I mean. So yeah. it's a little bit different, but... Oh, yeah. What if he was a Browns fan? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, he is the best college quarterback prospect since what? Andrew Luck? I, you know, you bring up an interesting point. I don't know if the CBA kind of would allow that anymore. The way the picks are... Because of the money? Slotted... I mean, I guess you could just say I'm hey, not going to the first go play. time for everything. He'd have more leverage, like if he he can't come back, right? Yeah. Like, where do you want to go, though? Miami? No. I'm trying to think of teams that that haven't had that investment in quarterback at least recently. Well, right, because because Washington has the second pick, and they obviously just drafted Dwayne Haskins. Um, with all due respect to Dwayne Haskins, I know. Joe Burrow is something significantly different. I mean, the Lions at number three. Not, I'm not. Don't think Joe Burrow would rather go to Detroit, though. Uh, the Giants at number four. Dolphins. They're probably in the market for a quarterback. Yeah. Even though they traded for Josh Rosen, that poor guy. Chargers taking over for Philip Rivers. Yeah, there'd be a team, dude. He's going number one in the Bengals. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, if he wants to, if he wants to, well, congrats to Joe Burrow. Congrats to LSU and congrats to the Cincinnati Bengals on uh, officially getting <laughs> you their, did it. The franchise quarterback. Isn't that frustrating? Sometimes like, I'm sure Bears fans are just listening to this like is that easy. Of course, they've, you know, hit Andy Dalton for a while. Yeah. Well, I guess speaking- that's just the luck of the draw, though, to be honest with you. Like, again, since Andrew Luck. Since Peyton Manning, guys that are like, oh, easy, number one overall pick. Bears didn't really have that. Well, let's be clear. It's going to be pretty. It's like Joe Burrow's like a walk into Cincinnati next year and probably do what he's doing right now. No, no. It's going to be a little bit tougher uh, on that team, yes. Especially on that team. But, you know, working with Zach Taylor, um, that could be a a good, interesting fit for him. So, uh, well, speaking of the Bengals and the coaching changes there resulted in a guy named Bill Lazor sitting out. 
20, I'm trying, I'm trying to, to, to add some, you know, some spice to this podcast. It's a very soft-sounding laser. Is that better? It sounds Ooh, like a bullet. No? No, I think the first one sounded like a laser. <laughs> a little bit more. Laser. Um, Joe, uh, Joe. Joe. No truth to the rumor that he's also an American gladiator. There was a laser. Wasn't there a laser? Yes. Well, and there's also uh, uh, Ben Stiller's guy in Dodgeball. Yes. There we go. Was he's like here's laser and blazer. <laughs> cram it up your cram hole on the floor. So there, that's as close as we can get right now. Um, Bill Laser hired by the Bears, hired by Matt Nagy to be his offensive coordinator. Uh, interesting <clears throat> development yeah. here. Um, to be honest, and that the Bears end up with Bill Laser. Yep, second coach they've hired who was out of the league last year started with Juan Castillo third third it's right the yeah. tight end coach I forgot too. about that yeah yeah forgot about him <laughs> <laughs> he counts too yeah uh look the Bears wanted Pat Shermer but I think their situation is a bit different than what the the Broncos presented Pat Shermer that's going to be Pat Shermer's offense in Denver here you're under Matt Nagy you weren't going to call plays so I understand the angst and missing out on Shermer who Let's face it, he, he's better than, than Bill Lazor. So this kind of feels like a consolation prize for the Bears, does it not? Uh, a little bit. You know, the Pat Shermer thing was interesting because it was, it was one of those things that was obvious right away. You know, the connection, the opportunity, the fit, I thought, too. Um, it, the fit for the Bears side of it. Like, here's a guy who, you know... Is established did did wonders with with Case Keenum a couple years ago, and turned him into a legitimate downfield passing threat, while also having a track record of running the football. So you know, there's a lot of things to like there about Pat Shermer, but it still didn't seem that realistic because of what you just said. I mean, is Pat Shermer going to come in and be okay with not? Uh, calling plays, and even even if Matt Nagy had relented and allowed him to call plays, you're still under Matt Nagy, yep. and it's still Matt Nagy's offense. They're not changing. The, you know, you got to come in and then learn this this offense and this playbook because they're not going to change it. I mean, they'll tweak it, but and I'm sure you're allowed to bring your own ideas, but it's not your offense. Yeah, yeah. Now he goes to Denver where he can be the offensive head coach for Vic Fangio yeah. and run what he wants to run and work with Drew Locke. Yeah, it's like the opposite of what is exists, exists here with Chuck Pagano. So, I just want to reemphasize what I just said, because I think fans are like, it's too easy to just be like, well, how come Matt Nagy didn't let him call the plays? Still with the play calling, yeah. it's not as ideal for Pat Shermer as Denver would be. I just want to emphasize that. Yes. Okay, so Bill Lazor doesn't exactly, like he, he's worked with quarterbacks, doesn't exactly come in with a quarterback guru rep, reputation. His offenses in Miami, his offenses in Cincinnati, they don't exactly like the world on fire. Now, some of that's talent. Some of those are just bad situations. I, I, I get that. If I'm going to be positive about this, it's that he's different than Mark Helfrich. And I mean this with... Respect for Mark Helfrich. There's just more NFL experience coming with Bill Lazor. 
Helfrich was kind of a wild card when he was hired. Matt Nagy liked him because of what he did at Oregon. He was out of the league for, not even out of the league, but out of football. I'd never been in the league. Yes, so that's different. So I think Nagy, well, one, I think I hear he's pretty chummy with Bill Lazor, but the, the experience, the, the experience in building NFL game plans, the experience in actually having called plays, having somebody he could turn to, for, I don't want to call it advice, but for some bounce back, for some conversation about it. You get that out of Bill Lazor more than you had out of Mark Helfrich, who was basically just just the Oregon. I mean, that's, that's what intrigued Matt Nagy about Mark Helfrich, was his experience at Oregon, running um, the Chip Kelly offense with Marcus Mariota, a loaded team already. And then things kind of went astray there, but... He's different. Bill Lazor is different than Mark Helfrich. I think if you're going to look at any positive, that's it. Well, he, you know, there are some there are some things to like a little bit. I uh, worked with Nick Foles in that outstanding season he had under Chip Kelly. Went to Miami and was with Ryan Tannehill when Tannehill had when you know was decent with the Dolphins. Remember, Tannehill was yeah. okay with the Dolphins. Then it tailed off. Uh, and now as you see what he's doing in Tennessee, you wonder how much that had to do with the organization and all the change and stuff that was going on down there. Yeah. Um, but he had success with Bill Lazor. And then you go to Cincinnati, Andy Dalton was Andy Dalton, but Joe Mixon put up, I think, a 1,200-yard 12, uh, rushing season yep. with yep. Lazor. And my understanding is that Nagy was interested in hiring Bill Lazor the first time he came in when Mark Helfrich ended up as the OC. And the situation in Cincinnati was that in 2017, Lazor was the quarterback's coach, got promoted to OC in the middle of the season, and um, Marvin Lewis ended up... uh, you know, taking the interim tag essentially is yeah. how that worked yeah. off the OC job and made him the permanent OC. That was the off season where Nagy came into Chicago, so couldn't really hire him at that time. So there's a there's a history there. I haven't yeah. coached together, but there's a history there. I don't necessarily view this like the Bears are completely settling for Bill Lazor at all. Okay, it's good. I, I think you brought up a good point there in terms of the well, the Chip Kelly connection and the RPOs. Again, that's why Matt Nagy liked Mark Helfrich, the RPO. So Bill Lazor has that experience, especially being with Chip Kelly. Um, for what, Nick Foles, what he threw like four interceptions that year or something like that. He went to the Pro Bowl. Yeah. Did he not? Yeah. Well, he it was like. Did, it, didn't we cover them just completely destroying Mark Trestman's team? Yes. Yes, we were there. Yeah, that was 2013. Yes. Yeah. Whew. Remember that. Flashbacks. <laughs> that was the weekend, like Henry Melton got arrested somewhere too, right? And like he was in Texas and we were in Philadelphia. Yes. Yes. Wow. I mean, assuming that is the same week. That's I, how we got to Henry Melton from Bill Lazor, I don't know, but it's the off season. <laughs> Here we are. I don't think the experience factor, again, could be underrated. Uh, it's my understanding. I don't think Brad Childress is returning. Uh, to the Bears. That was always like a one-year advisor deal. Yeah. He apparently told that to Mary Kay Cabot of the okay. Cleveland Plain Dealer okay. directly. I didn't see that. Okay. Yeah, so it was just, just came out like a, an hour or two ago. Um, but she actually has him quoted as saying that. So, oh, well, yeah. yeah, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> I should have read it. Yeah. Yeah, Bill. For, yeah. So Brad Childress is not coming back. Okay. Okay. So again, the experience matters. Can't be underrated. 
Is it going to help Mitch Trubisky? I don't know. Is it? Does it mean Andy Dalton's coming here? I don't know. Does it mean Nick Foles is coming here? I don't know. There's a lot of dominoes left to, to fall to even be set up first. But the experience, I think, is a factor uh, for Matt Nagy. Yep. And, you know, I, th- I think the wild card in all this, though, is like, what about my Kafka? Is it just because they, they won again? And I mean, essentially, you just can't wait forever yeah. to make a hire? Or not th- not think it's realistic? And honestly, I don't know the answer to that yeah. right now. Well, it goes back to the experience, though, too. Yeah. Mike Kafka is still a very young coach. He's the quarterback's coach there. Obviously, he's got a relationship with Matt Nagy. Obviously, he's doing good things out there, but, you know, Andy Reid is still there. Yeah. Eric Bieniemy is still there. There's a lot of good things going on with Kansas City. The offense, you got Patrick Mahomes, you got Travis Kelsey. They're absolutely loaded. A lot of good things are going on in Kansas City. Again, I want to stress this again and again. It's the, it's the experience factor. That could be a benefit for the Bears in their hiring of Bill Lazor. Okay, so uh, the, the next place to take this conversation is to then uh, talk about the <laughs> um, sort of blind connecting of the dots with random quarterbacks that's going on <laughs> and everybody seems to be uh nah, i don't want to say everybody that's kind of a grand statement but a lot of people does this mean andy dalton's coming to chicago i all right if we're gonna blindly connect quarterback dots um then i think the dot to connect would actually be nick Foles, yeah not andy yeah. dalton uh, because Nick Foles has also been with Matt Nagy before and has played for the Eagles and the Chiefs and would know the system a little bit better. Right. Um, I like the quarterback Dotton game. Mark Helfrich is here. Oh, maybe Marcus yeah. Mariota could come. Oh, Mark Helfrich is gone. See you, Marcus Mariota. Here's, here's Bill Lazor. Who did he work with? Andy Dalton yeah. and Nick Foles. Yeah. Um, also, they're, they're not hiring offensive coordinators to get a certain quarterback two months from now. So how you do that? I mean, like, if you end up with a connection with a quarterback that you could potentially get, that just happens. You don't make that hiring now. It's not like uh, it's not like college basketball recruiting where you're where you're hiring like a player's dad on your coaching staff at the college level so you could get his son, which which does happen. This isn't that okay? It's the NFL. One other note on laser. I just uh, forgot to mention. Does have a strong history with RPOs. I said that. Oh, sorry. You paying attention today? No, I'm not. You know, Chip Kelly, Nick Foles that year. You, you threw me off with the Henry Melton thing. My mind just started. Remember that? He bit a guy. Uh, he, he bit a guy. <laughs> I do remember what you're he, talking about. He bit about. the guy in the back. No, I know what you're... Yes. I yeah. just didn't remember it was the same week as when we were in Philadelphia watching Bill Lazor light up... <laughs> The Bears. Yes, the, the connections, you know. Oh, yeah. Are evident. That, you know, that's why we're here. They're, they're, I apologize. You brought up the RPO. Henry thing. Melton bit a guy. My fear, though, which is where I wanted to go with the RPO thing, I feel like this is starting to be a trend in the entire NFL. I've though. had enough of the RPOs. Like, I'll be honest with you. Defense, it's not just the Bears. Defenses are catching up to yep, that. Yep. Defenses have the speed. Look, look we saw it work with uh, well, Clemson, ran one for the touchdown. Trevor Lawrence had one. In the red zone, did yeah. you not? Like, yeah. it, look, it's fine. You know, you get hesitation out of these young guys, but defenses adjust too. Well, especially at the NFL level. I, I to me, the biggest evidence is like it, two years ago, Mitch benefited from the RPOs. 
in 2019, he struggled with them. Yeah. And I think it has to do with defenses adjusting yeah, and yeah. how they played it. Yeah. So I hope that Bill Lazor's history with that is not, you know, top of mind. Like, okay, maybe it can help a little bit, but I, I, my point is I hope the Bears aren't like chasing what was working two years ago instead of finding the next thing. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like this is constantly... If, if you look at some of the best teams in Bears history, they're always innovative. They're forward thinking. That's what they did with their coaches, right? They, they tried to do different things and they, what, that's what Matt Nagy wanted to do here. Obviously it didn't work out. Looked okay last year. But that's my last, point. Two years ago, now 2018. Like the Bears were trying to be ahead of the game, but the problem in the NFL in football is that ahead of the game starts to become archaic very quickly. Yeah. Like, because I think what everyone, everyone wants to talk about like, oh, this is, this is where the league's headed. This is where the league's headed. And before you know it, defenses adjust. Yeah. There are so many good defensive yeah, yeah. minds in the game. And it's cyclical too. Like, look, at the, look at the Titans. Yeah. Derrick Henry. Look at the 49ers. Yes, yes. Right? So now, offensive lines that are strong, aggressive. You have all, like I said, I mentioned faster, smaller defenders because of the RPOs in the passing game. So here comes Derek freaking Henry, a freaking beast, <laughs> running you over. Yeah. Running grown men over, paid professionals over. And that's why they're in the AFC Championship game. Now, I think it is, we should also point out, though, that the Titans do have the ability to throw the ball now with Ryan Tannehill. Their right. formula last week was to get ahead throwing the ball, and then once they were ahead, that's when they killed you with the running game. Right, right. Same thing with the 49ers, okay? I don't, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is maybe not going to light you up, but he's good enough to get you a lead by throwing the ball. Then once you have the lead, you protect that lead by running the football. Yeah. And that's part of the problem with the Bears last year. They hardly played with leads. And, and they can't run the football. <laughs> you know, and they can't run the football, too. So, um, just in general, w- whatever it is that's the fad of the year, the key to me is, for this offseason for the Bears, for Matt Nagy, Bill Lazor, whoever's involved, is not how do we perfect what we want to run. It should be what can we run in 2020 that's going to work? Yeah. How do we adjust this and tweak this so that we're ahead of the game against the defenses? Because I think clearly 2019 showed you that teams watched what the Bears did in 2018 with Mitch Trubisky as the quarterback, and they adjusted. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this again. I feel like I'm saying again a lot this podcast. It's been a long new year. Matt Nagy had play calls that worked. People shouldn't forget about that. Mm-hmm. The quarterback either misread it or missed it. There are plays that worked. Oh, absolutely. So I don't know if... But any, I don't know if we can accurately say that the whole scheme worked. Fair. 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 But a big play there, big play here, could have a different game, different outcomes in those games. Just saying. Yeah. I know what you're getting at, though. Is Bill Lazor going to fix that? Is... is Andy Dalton or Nick Foles going to fix that? I don't know. I also think we're kind of putting, not necessarily we, but everybody, a little too fixated on the offense coordinator hire. It certainly matters. I think it matters because the person coming in, it could potentially fix, help fix yeah. this. But it's still Matt Nagy. 
He's insurance. going all in on himself. He, he pretty much is. Right. And that's why I want to emphasize that to me, fixing this in 2020 is much more about what I just said, which is tweaking the scheme, staying ahead of the game, adjusting to defenses and what they did to you in 2019 as it is whoever they hired to yeah. take this job. Yeah. Okay. It's a part of it, but this still comes on the head coach who's in charge of the offense and the quarterback to execute. Absolutely. Um, Let's not forget that Mark Helvich's number one job was the run game. Harry, he with like his right hand man. And that just because of, well, the position he coached, but also because of his, his experience. The Juan Castillo hire is more significant. I don't want to say it's more significant than Bill Lazor, but let's keep this in context of what was and what these guys are going to be asked to do. Fixing the run game, a lot of it will be on the table of Lazor and Castillo. See if they could do it. All right, uh, quickly back to Nick Foles. I mean, I just don't see Andy Dalton as a, a fit. I don't know why. Maybe I should. Um, but here, here, here's Nick Foles' situation, and you, I'll, you tell me what you think. We're probably going to do this with a bunch of quarterbacks between now and mid-March. Okay. Okay. Just, but here's the deal. Nick Foles signs a four-year, $88 million contract with the Jaguars <laughs> last year. It's, it's so Jaguar. I know. Uh, $50 million of it is guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> Again, so Jaguars. Well, Nick Foles gets hurt, doesn't really... Again, I, so Jaguars. Didn't really get a fair shake. But then Gardner Minshew comes out of nowhere and plays well while Foles is out. Looks like he's from Jacksonville. Go on. Foles comes back. Um, I struggled enough that they end up putting Gardner Minshew back out there for the final four games. And now they're in an awkward spot with a guy making a ton of money who I don't think they can realistically cut. A lot of people are like, oh, the Jaguars going to cut... Nick Foles, he counts $33.8 million against the cap <laughs> if you cut him right now. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, so, Jacksonville. At that point, you keep him as a backup option at least, even if you're Because you don't know if Minshew's going to be anything. Yes. You yes. don't. Yes. You don't. Now, I just I don't see cutting him as a realistic option no. when you see that number. No, no. Now, potentially what you could do is trade him. And the reason you can do that is because in a trade, the contract actually becomes a lot more reasonable for the team acquiring. And the reasoning is is that uh, 18.7 of the that cap hit I just talked about is from the signing bonus, which the Jaguars would have to keep on their books. So it reduced that cap hit from 33.8 down to like 18-something. Okay, so it, it reduces it significantly and saves them, th- actually would save them $3 million in cap space versus keeping them on the roster. So it would actually be a, you know, a small cap-saving move to trade him, and you're also getting something in return, obviously, in a trade. And the reason why I think this is pretty reasonable to happen not only does it save you some cap space if you're the Jaguars, you have an awkward situation here where you could be spending a ton of money on a backup. Um, but again, the 
contract becomes relatively affordable for the team trading him because you're not on the hook for that huge signing bonus. And essentially what the money would be would be 15, little over $15 million in salary for 2020. There's a, let's call it 16 million once you throw in the bonuses, okay? And after 2020, the only thing that's guaranteed is a $5 million roster bonus that is becomes guaranteed in March of this year, but applies in 2021. So the point is, if you're the Bears, and if you wanted to trade for Nick Foles, you could do so. You'd have a very expensive backup on the books for about $16 million in 2020 when you don't have a ton of cap space, but a pretty good option if Mitch Trubisky you know, bombs out or you want to go in a different direction that has a connection with both Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor here. And if it doesn't work out with Nick Foles, you're only on the hook for $5 million the following year with that roster bonus. Here's what I would do. If you wanted to get rid of him. Okay, so what do you Otherwise, get, he costs more money. What do you get up? Sixth or seventh round pick? I want to give up anything higher than that. Well, you have a, to play hard. Here's the thing. There's not going to be an overwhelming market for Nick Holes. There's just not. If you're going to trade for them, you put your foot down and you play hardball. Nothing more than a late round pick. I wouldn't even give a fifth. You have to understand they're, they're, they, they need him off their books. And here's, I, I go a point further. You know what the Titans did for, to, to get Ryan Tannehill? So they traded for him from Miami, right? Yeah. But, it, but it started with Miami restructuring his contract. So they ate, he had a big contract too. Yeah. I don't have all the details in front of me no, right now. No, they ate some of the money. You're right. Yes, they, they ate a lot of the money. But they needed him off their books. They're ready to move on. The Bears have to approach it the same way. This is not going to be an easy move, and there's not going to be much competition because of it. So here's a counterpoint, though. And this is where I don't know that this move makes sense for the Bears or is realistic for the Bears. Because, you know, $16 million for a starting quarterback isn't outrageous. Well, it's my Glennon money. But you know what the Titans got Ryan Tannehill for? One year, two million plus incentives. Okay, I understand that. But Ryan Tannehill was viewed as a bust. Nick Foles is not a bust. He won a Super Bowl. If he was that valuable, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Well, I'll tell you what. His <laughs> value uh, 12 months ago before he got hurt was $88 million. Okay, the, tra- the Jaguars overpay everybody. I understand that. I, I understand they do that. But... I think you could do a lot worse than Nick Foles for yeah, $16 but let's, million. Let's, let's not over. The reason I'm, I'm not talking yeah. about this in the Bears context yeah. anymore. I'm saying that I could see a team in the NFL trading for that contract. You're, uh, all you got to think about it is like this. It's $16 million for a starting quarterback in 2020. If you're desperate for a starter, you could do a lot worse than Nick Foles. And if it doesn't work out, it's only $5 million off the books next year. That's that's pretty affordable the, 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 the for an NFL the Jaguars quarterback. Jaguars are still desperate for a start. I, I just don't want to overrate what Nick Foles is. Just like we should, no one should have overrated what, what Ryan Tannehill. Is. And I don't want to do that either. But if the he was that is, valuable, <laughs> the Eagles would have paid their Super Bowl winner. The problem is some NFL team is going to. I know, I know, I know. Overrated. It's what and, happens. And, and, and so what I'm I, what I'm just to be clear, what I'm saying is I think there will be a team that does that that could do that and would give up more than the Bears would want Ugh. to trade for. Well, then, 
all the power to him. I wouldn't do it. And uh, that's why I don't. I don't know that you can get Nick Foles for a six round. Yeah. I don't know. It's very interesting. When you actually look at the contract for Nick Foles, it's not, it doesn't make sense for the Jaguars to cut him, but I think it a, has to be traded. A trade can, can happen. And there's going to be a team that needs a quarterback that could do it. Now, Andy Dalton's different. Do not trade for Andy Dalton. No, no, they got to just. The Bengals are going to cut this guy. <laughs> yeah. That's different. I don't think there's any guaranteed money past this, past last season. So. They are going to cut this guy. I mean, you Just could wait him out. You could do worse than Andy Dalton as a backup quarterback. Yes, you can. Is he willing to do that though? Because he's going to be cut. He's going to. This is a difference. Yeah. Nick Foles has no choice. You trade for him, he's coming in. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear you. Andy Dalton, are, are you? Are you, now the market may dictate that he has to accept being a backup. And if you are backup. You know, Chicago may not be a bad place yeah. to go because well, you're thinking uh, you might get a good chance I'll, to play. I'll say this: There's only 32 of these jobs. And there's an influx of quarterbacks coming in. You're going to have, what, three drafted in the first round? Burrow, Tua, Justin Herbert. Maybe maybe Love, too, from Utah State. Yeah. There's a lot of quarterbacks in this draft. Good segue. We're pros. Because Dane Brugler from The Athletic has a uh, brand new mock draft coming out. Well, it's out today. You can... See it on The Athletic right now as you're listening to this podcast within the app. Uh, a couple of our listeners have pointed out that this stuff actually pops up while you're reading it sometimes, yes. which is pretty sweet. So it might be there in front of you right now for all I know. Uh, anyway, Mock Draft, he does the first uh, two rounds of the draft. Of course, the Bears have two picks, number 43 from the Raiders and the number, Raiders. number 50 so here's what Dane Brugler has. It's mock draft season. Officially, welcome to January. Cole Komet, tight end, Notre Dame. I like it. At number 43. Many think he's the best tight end in the draft. I like Cole Komet. There's a long history of second round tight ends that have flooded the NFL right now that are having success. Fortunately, Adam Sheehan is not one of those. He is not. <laughs> um, but that seems like a great spot to grab a tight end that can really help this Bears offense and help Matt Nagy. So hard to disagree with that. It did catch my eye, however, the next two picks in this mock draft at number 44 going to the Indianapolis Colts, Jake Fromm, quarterback, Georgia. At number 45 going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Jacob Eason, quarterback, Washington. See, I don't know that much about Eason yet. We'll learn more about him. Inconsistent. I'll, I'll learn more about him. Big as, arm. As we do the, the prep. That's fine. That's great. Great for you, Jacob Eason. From solid. <laughs> I don't know. Well, here's the question. I've seen a lot of his games at primetime. There's a lot of things. Like in watching those games, I've never felt overly impressed. Not once. Not once. Now, that could be different in the NFL, but tell me I'm, I'm wrong. Well, well, just real quick, though. Breaking news there uh, that I did not want to gloss over. Uh, Adam Johns watching primetime college football. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure that was uh, realized. But you're, you're not wrong. No. What, what does he do that like, excites you? Well, I'll study all these guys here in the next few okay, months and okay. have a more informed opinion. But right now, the question is, if you were in this situation, I'd love to hear from our listeners and you are on the clock at 43, and you could either take Cole Komet, potentially, you know, 
key you tight end that could have a major impact on the offense and helping Mitchell Trubisky, though, at quarterback? Or would you rather take Jake Fromm? Because he's there, he's available. You take another swing at a quarterback yeah. with a guy who could work out, but certainly is not a for sure thing because you're taking but him in the swing. Round. But it's a swing. And, and I do believe the Bears are going to take multiple swings at this. I'm not talking about free agency, something better than Mike Lennon, and a, a draft pick for the first time other than Mitch Trubisky. They're going to take a swing at this. Um, but if the best tight end in the draft is there, knowing how important it is to Matt Nagy's offense, doesn't matter what quarterback you have. Get him. Yeah. That's how I feel. Okay. Unless you do something big in free agency, but... All right, number 50. Yeah, number 50, uh, Raekwon Davis. Uh, very good defensive tackle out of Alabama. Not necessarily a position of need right now for the Bears with Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks, but, you know... The doors do close pretty quickly yeah, on some yeah, of these guys yeah. sometimes, especially interior players. I mean, you saw that kind of happen with Kyle Long on the other side of the ball. So it never hurts to have more help on the D-line. I think the Bears should go into this player acquisition period, which teams call it, free agency and the draft, knowing that our lines need more. I get quarterback is a must. I get tight end is a must. You need to sign a safety or draft a safety. You got, you got positions of concern. But games are won and lost up front. I don't, want to, I don't mean to use a cliche, but the Bears lost the line of scrimmage a lot this year, mm-hmm. especially offensively. Fix the trenches. Well, Raekwon Davis is a really good player, and I'd also like to point out who Dane Brugler has at number 59 of the Seahawks. Um, I'm going to be careful with this. Ross... Blacklock. Blacklock. Okay, I just want to be careful. Uh, defensive tackle from TCU. I love this kid. I actually saw some uh, some film on him the other day uh, that I think uh, Daniel Jeremiah maybe had on Instagram or something like that, but it was very, very impressive. So if you're going to go that route, uh, he's another option. And I'll point out my guy, LaVisca Chenault from Colorado came off the board at number 38, five picks ahead of the bears. I still like the idea of a wide receiver too. Yeah. There's speed because this is a very deep wide receiver class. I think Brugler has three or four, probably four going in the first round and wide receivers kind of become a position where teams would be less willing to go first round. Yeah. Cause they, they tend to bust out. Yeah, a little bit at a higher rate than other positions. For me, this like is Kevin a White. Th- oh, okay. This is a year where Ryan Pace has to recoup value. I've always respected his. I want that guy. I'm gonna go get him. Approach, but you don't have a lot of picks. You have some aging parts of your roster. You need a deep. You, you need a very deep class full of good swings. Get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like right now, your your draft class from last year just looks like David Montgomery. Riley really could change that, maybe. But right now, that's all it looks like. It it, it does. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that the other day. It's it's it it looks like a kind of a missed year. It, it, David Montgomery could become a player, but you know the jury's certainly out after what he did in 2019. Now, part of that's because you just didn't have a lot of picks. Yep. But. As a class, 
the the way rosters deteriorate faster than any other way is to just have like giant holes when you start looking at the football reference page of draft pick history for a team and you all of a sudden you isolate two back-to-back years where they got nothing it's when it starts to get bad real fast i mean that's how the bears got in this mess in the first place to be honest yep so just get you just gotta be careful. No, that's, I'm just backing up <laughs> yeah, your yeah, point. Yeah, 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 yes, this yeah. is an important draft, even though you don't have a first round pick. These two picks in the second round are huge. You can't miss. You can't. No, miss. no. You need plug and play guys. You need plug and play guys. And look, they traded back and got Cody White here. Plug and play guy. They stood pat and got Eddie Goldman. Plug and play guy. Took a major swing and miss on Adam Shaheen. You need contributors. If your window is open, you need contributors right now. All right, uh, quickly before we get out of here, thoughts on the weekend. Should we bring in our guy? Hello, everyone. This is Al Riveron. I was... Tell me if I'm wrong. because I, I, I said last week I was impressively unimpressed with Deshaun Watson. I felt that way again this week. I don't want to be like ridiculing the guy. Like I know what his numbers say. But you had a 24-point lead, and you somehow lost by 20 points. Like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, well, he didn't give up 50 points. and But stay on the field, then. I think the real conversation... Answer. Okay, but the real conversation from that game, what in God's name was Bill O'Brien doing? I, I, if you were to make a list of the worst coaching decisions in the history of the NFL, that oh, he fake panicked, punt... Yeah. He panicked. That fake punt especially in the context of not going for it on fourth and one when you're in the red zone. Your very next possession, you're backed up on your own end. Then you fake a punt on fourth and four. And it com- those two moves in combination. I, I didn't hate taking the field goal on the first one, but it does not. You can't then turn around and fake a punt. Well, not that spot and to, in hindsight well the first one in, is hindsight for me the first one was first guessing or i'm just the, the fake punt was first guessing it made no sense in the moment absolutely made no sense the two moves contradicted each other so it just kind of showed you he didn't really have a plan and then we found out he said after the game that part of the reason he didn't go for on fourth to one is that they didn't have a good play yeah yeah what can, can, what can you imagine? you went into a game without a good play on fourth and one in the playoffs can, can you imagine the conversation? Put that conversation in Chicago. Oh, my God. If Matt Nagy said that with Mitch Trubisky as his quarterback. And then the next day, take away the Cubs World Series. Yeah. You want to light a city on fire? Yes. Because yeah, that's what's going on in Houston right now. About that. Yes. Not only did you blow that game to the Chiefs and Bill O'Brien looked like an idiot, but then the Astros got hammered yes, the yes, next day. Yes. Now, I, I, I did think from the get-go that the, the, the Chiefs were going to throttle them a bit. I just thought they were the better team on both sides of the ball. Just more explosive. I, I didn't like the way that the Texans won against the Bills. Didn't like it at all. Like They should have lost that game. Sometimes teams use that to, you know, they escaped and now, now they feel great about themselves. Look good early on. Two turnovers right away by the Chiefs, but yeah, the, the Chiefs were just the, the, the more dominant team. They, they had the better quarterback that day. We didn't get the shootout. Some people are still calling it that we wanted that day. Patrick Mahomes was significantly better than Deshaun Watson in that playoff game. Um, 
couple other things from the weekend. I mean, we kind of talked about the Titans earlier, but what a performance by them. Ravens looked rusty. Um, man, that's got to be tough for the Ravens. Thought they were clearly the best team in football all yeah. year. And then, I mean, they didn't really even show up. Yeah, and I, I don't like the conversation about Lamar Jackson and saying that the, the Titans figured him out. I just think that teams are always going to run. Like the, the teams are in the playoffs for a reason. They're going to have better defenses, especially a, a few certain of them are going to have some special defenses. And the, and the Titans have a very good defense with Mike Vrabel. Next year, I think is going to be a very interesting year for the Ravens because you had everything going right for yourselves. You have this outstanding young quarterback who is a better passer than people ever want to let on. Absolutely. But now, there's tape on them. Now, is your offensive line, which was so pummeling, are they going to be intact? Can these multiple tight ends, personnel groupings that they used all year, will teams have better answers for them coming up? It's, it's Mark Ingram, your long-term answer at running back. The guy's, what, 32 years old? Yeah. A lot of, a lot of questions and answers for the Ravens next year. Uh, we'll preview this weekend's game on Thursday's episode. We will have an episode later this week uh, on, uh, you know, wherever you listen to the free episodes every week on iTunes, Amazon, wherever you listen to it, uh, Spotify, it's there for you. But quickly on the Packers. Um, first of all, sort of what you just said about how the Texans beat the Bills. I didn't really like how the Seahawks beat the Eagles with Carson Wentz getting hurt. Yeah. I was not very impressed with that. I love the Packers. How about Josh McCown, by the way? Played that game with a torn hamstring off the bone? Yeah. Or was it groin or hamstring? I don't know. Either way, amazing. I think it was his hammy, and it was was impressive. We didn't really... We didn't pick these games last week because we had our um, special recap episode that you should go back and listen to if you haven't. But... um, I did love the Packers coming in this game against the Seahawks. I just thought at home, I wasn't impressed with the Seahawks and how they beat the Eagles. It's kind of how I feel right now, actually, though. About, and I wasn't as impressed with how the Packers beat the Seahawks as I thought I would be. And I kind of early preview is that I, I like the 49ers this weekend. But quickly on the spot at the end of the game, I thought there was just way too much talk about it on Monday. What's well, the picture with the yellow line, which yeah. is an official? Well, so there's a couple things. One, the yellow line is unofficial. Two, the marker on the Seahawks sideline that everyone was trying to line the yellow line up with, and clearly they were not aligned. That's also unofficial. That's not the chains. That's just a guy standing there with a marker and the mat on the ground. The chains are on the other side with the on the Packers sideline. That's the official measurement. And for all we know, because we couldn't see the, in the replay from that side of it, the yellow line could have been lined up yeah. with that one properly, but we don't know. What we do know that I thought was obvious on replay. Hello, everyone. This is Al Riveron. That I could not understand <laughs> was Jimmy Graham was, the spot was bad. Yeah. Like, regardless of what lines or wherever the markers were, they spotted that ball a good half to full yard from where he was really down. And I did not understand why they didn't come out of that review and re-spot the ball. At, forget the lines again. Just this is where he was down on replay. Respot the ball at that spot and remeasure 
with the actual sticks that are official, and then you know whether or not it was a first down or not. It's that easy. And that wasn't the only one in this game, too, because the Packers recovered a fumble early on in the game in the first half, and they reviewed it and said there wasn't a clear recovery when Packers player clearly came out of the pile with the ball. And Al Riverot even did a video and he put on Twitter saying, well, we didn't have a clear recovery. And meanwhile, Fox is showing a Packer player coming out of the pile with the ball, which didn't make any sense. So unfortunately, the officiating continues to be a story and there's three more games left. So it's probably going to be a story as we continue. That's going to do it for us, though, on this podcast. Do want to mention again, if you missed it, check out our 2019 season recap episode, something we haven't done before. And our guy, Ernie Scatton, did a tremendous job of editing it all together. There's some new stuff in there as we kind of sat down and discussed all of 2019. And I want to emphasize, it's not really a recap of the bear season as much as it is a recap of 2019 on this podcast. So it's a lot of fun to revisit all of the fun times we had, the live shows that we did, uh, some of the post-game episodes and banter that we got into, uh, some of the interviews we did with Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. It's all in there for you. And uh, it's something new that we haven't done before. So We'd love to hear some feedback, too, if you like it. Maybe we'll do it again in the future. Uh, definitely was some extra work, but our guy Ernie came through and did a tremendous job with it. So we thank him for that, and we thank you for listening. We'll be back on Thursday. We'll preview the AFC-NFC Championship and uh, talk about what other news develops here with the Bears this week. There's always stuff to talk about. We'll keep it going here on the Hogan Johns Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Al Riveron. 